You are listening to the How to Talk to Girls podcast with me, Trip Kramer. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the How to Talk to Girls podcast. I'm your host, Trip Kramer from tripadvice.com. On today's episode, I have one from the archives. I interview a doctor. Her name is Dr. Karen. And this was, I remember this episode. I, I know it sounds crazy after recording almost 700 episodes. Do I really remember all of them? I, honest to God, I remember most of them. If, I, if you just give me an episode and you and you press play on it and I listen to it, I'll be like, yeah, yeah, I remember. Maybe I don't remember the day and where I was recording it, although some I, I definitely do. Um, actually, funny story. There was a time, this was probably back in the, actually probably around this time of the, of the release of this episode that I'm about to show you from the archives around 2015, 2016, there was times when I travel. And when you travel, you might not have the best sound. And of course, you know, I wasn't traveling and, and being nomadic with a, with a big bulky mic. I would just have the Apple iPhone headphones, which have a little mic on it. And funny enough, not on this episode, but some episodes, funny enough, if you go into a closet with your laptop, with the Apple headphones, you can actually create a podcast with pretty good sound. It's pretty crazy. Uh, speaking of sound, you might hear a little bit of an echo. I am on an, an amazing mic right now, but unfortunately, the setup is is in a place where it's a little bit echoey. But if I was on a crappier mic, it would be terrible. That's why sometimes I had to literally record this podcast in a closet. Anywho, this episode is uh, is a really good one. And like I said, I do remember it. I do remember interviewing Dr. Karen. I remember, uh, I think we met each other on Twitter and and I messaged her asking her to be on the podcast. And it was a great episode because we talk about the idea of self-esteem and how that relates to relationships. I think the reason why I decided to pick this one out for today and bring it back from the archives, not only because it was a great episode, but because the past few episodes I've been talking about relationships. And, you know, I like to talk about everything here. I'm talking about meeting women. I know a lot of you are getting into relationships, so you kind of want that next step of next advice. So here I'm talking about how to not settle. And Dr. Karen teaches us from a psychological background, why it's not good to settle and also why guys are settling. And I remember in the last episode that I produced here for How to Talk to Girls, we talked about the idea of being in a powerful relationship and how it can be incredible to be in a great relationship. And it can be a disaster if you're in a relationship with a woman who's not a good fit for you. So this is almost like a continuation of that or a continuation of just some of the ideas and concepts of being in a healthy relationship. And so whether or not you're in a relationship, I do believe it's very important for you to listen to this episode because one day you might be, and this is going to help you out down the line. So that's why I brought this one back from the archives because like I normally do, if I bring an episode back from the archives, it's because it has a low amount of views, which typically has to do with the title, right? So the old title was how to not settle with just anyone. And that is what it's about, truly, you know, how to not settle with anyone, why people are settling. And hint, hint, like I just said, it all comes back to how you view yourself. So everything here is based in uh, psychological 
methods. As you know, we have a master's and PhD here, Dr. Karen, so she's going to explain some good stuff. For those of you who are now struggling to get into a relationship, you want a girlfriend, you struggle with your self-esteem, your self-worth, you feel like you're not worthy of being with a woman, my advice to you is to make sure that you are looking for ways to help yourself. And one of the best ways is working with a coach, especially over here at TripAdvice. One of the things that I feel is the biggest results, or result, I should say, that guys get in the coaching program is a big boost in confidence and self-esteem. A lot of guys know that, hey, you got to be confident to be able to attract a woman. And I think that they don't really understand what confidence is. They, they know that they have to be confident to get a girl. But what does it really mean and how does it really affect you? Once you become confident and you start building your self-esteem, and like I said, I have coaches here at TripAdvice that work with you one-on-one on this, you're not going to be just excited because you get a couple more dates or the girl texts back or you get into a relationship. You are literally going to be walking around feeling like the man, like a confident person who likes himself. And there is something so powerful about that because it affects way more than just your results with women in dating. And you might already know that, but I don't think that guys really understand how powerful that can be and how much of a benefit that can be for your whole life. I remember when I was getting better with women and dating and getting more dates and I felt more confident and better about myself and I worked on myself day in, day out, I started to become just so much more confident with people in general, with socializing with my work. Life had a new look. It was so powerful And I want that for you. So if you need help, go to tripadvicecoaching.com. Link is in the show notes. You can work with one of our coaches here to help you with meeting women, talking to women, building confidence, finding a girlfriend, and knowing who's going to be the best fit for you. I hope you're enjoying some of these older episodes from the archives. If you are, DM me and say hello. And let's get into it. Here is my interview with Dr. Karen. Hello, Dr. Karen. How are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you? I'm fantastic. It's great to have you on the How to Talk to Girls podcast. This is Dr. Karen Anderson Abrell. I'm guessing Abrell is your husband's last name. Mm-hmm. And uh, you kind of, well, there's not a hyphen necessarily, but it's all together from drkaren.me.me. She's a Chicago-based love and relationship expert, and she's here to talk to us about this idea of never settling, which we're going to get to in just a second. But before we get into that, Dr. Karen, tell us about how you got into this, how you know about this stuff, why should these guys listen to you? Tell us about how this kind of all started for you. Yeah. So I dated for just a long, long time. Uh, started dating at 15 and didn't get married until 42. So there's some experience to back up my philosophies. And also, I'm an, I was a former academic. I'm a psychologist. So I've done a ton of research on this type of stuff. And I'm uh, always availing myself of the research that's out there. And so I, I have a lot to say, but I, I moved from academia 
into this kind of realm because of my own experience and uh, having gone through tons of dating and then also calling off a, a wedding two months before it was to occur. And as a single person, I was out there for a long, long time and I would go to the self-help section and I often saw books that just didn't seem all that helpful, frankly. I think the authors were very well-intentioned, but they were often telling people, you got to be a totally different person and then he'll show up or, you know, you're doing all these things wrong. And certainly we all have room for improvement, but the message didn't really sit with me. So I thought, you know what, you better write the book that you wish had been available to you when you were single. So that kind of propelled me into this space to, to go full-time into this, this arena and uh, speak and uh, talk to folks like you and try to encourage some people out there in the dating world. So you have a book, is that right? I do. It's called Single is the New Black. Don't wear white till it's right. <laughs> I like that. Thank that's, you. That's fantastic. So what's the, what's the big message you think behind, uh, behind that book? Yeah. So like I said, it's, it's the message that I, I think is really needed and it's, it's lacking in, in, the, uh, in the self-help genre right now. And the message is don't settle. So essentially you're out there and if you are dating for long enough, there's going to be a lot of feedback. And some of it, again, is probably helpful, but some of it is going to tell you that you need to be doing this and that and the other. And uh, I mean, I heard, I mean, I was what, 30 and then 35 and then 40 and still single. And I heard I was too picky and I just better lower my standards. And who did I think I was? And I I thought, you know, really? So I'm supposed to just stop being picky and selective and just pick up any guy off the street, put a tux on him and walk him down the aisle. I mean, this, no, it's not making sense. So the message is really just know yourself, stay true to yourself and be the best version of yourself. And then you'll be prepared for when the right one comes along. I like that. I like that. So you got married at, at what age? 42. At 42. That's interesting because you don't hear, and that, that's your first marriage, right? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, you don't hear a lot of first marriages happening at that age. Do you have children? Are you planning on having children? No, I don't. I have three stepchildren. So there was that um, whole scene that was, again, unexpected. No one really thinks, you know, when I was a little girl, I wasn't walking my Barbie doll in her white dress down the aisle, you know, to be like, I'm going to be wife number two. That'll be fun. (laughs) You know, no one's expecting that. But also we have to, there's a, there's a tension between planning our life and being intentional. And then also being able to rest in what is meant to be and what is happening. And I tried to force it when I I was 34, I was engaged because, you know, you're 34, it's time, you know, the clock's ticking and everyone else is married and starting on baby number one or number two. And so I felt that pressure and almost married a great guy, but not my guy. And so that tension of trying to push it and force it and make it happen in the midst of trying to just sit back and go, Hey, you know, there's part of life that we can't fully control. And love is one of those things. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you think are some things you can share with uh, the guys who are listening in terms of, you said something that, that I always like to say is, you know, be the best version of yourself that you can be. So what would you tell the guys in terms of how they could do that? Yeah, well, what that means to me is not relying on anyone else. And we're, we're very, very vulnerable to this when we're younger, in our teens and 20s, and even into our 30s. We sometimes are looking for someone else to validate us. I know women do it all the time. If I date the right guy who makes the right amount of money and drives the right car, then I can feel okay about myself. And men can do it too. If I have, you know, the hottie that all the guys are jealous that I'm with, then I can feel like, 
guy, you know, like I'm a man's man or whatever. We're looking to validate ourselves from an external circumstance, in this case, a person. And A, that's not fair to do to someone because you need to be validating yourself and, and figure out your worth through yourself. And B, it's not sustainable because if that person steps away from you and the, the, their path isn't in to be with you for the rest of your life, then you're crushed and then you're uh, hopeless and despondent. And so that's one of the things I would encourage the guys that you're talking to, that you need to be a man in and of yourself and not look to, looking to someone else to validate you. That's one part that I think is being the best version of you. Yeah, I see it as not letting others control your feelings. You know, you're giving your power to other people the second you let others decide how you should feel, you know? So you're letting them be the ones to judge who you are. And it, it puts you in a very powerless position because there's nothing you could do, right? And I, I don't like that for anybody to be in a position where they have absolutely no control over how they should exist, be, and feel, you know? Yeah, I love that you're using the word power because power is a part of every relationship and we choose to give up our power. And then we get mad, right? Like he made me feel or she made, it's like, no, 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 no. No one made you feel anything. You allowed someone to have their experience or whatever they're doing affect you and affect your feelings, but we don't see it that way. We have given away our power. So I'm always encouraging the people I talk to, to like, I, like you're saying, you're in control of your emotions. You're in control of your happiness. One of my hashtags that I tweet about all the time is hashtag get happy. Because as soon as we understand, and that's another part of what we were talking about earlier about being the best version of yourself, as soon as I understand that my emotional state is my job, it's an inside job. It is no one else's responsibility. I am coming to a relationship with so much more power. So for example, my husband, like I said, he was married before and obviously the marriage didn't work out. So for a period of time, it wasn't working and no one knows a bad emotional state than being in a bad marriage. I mean, that is the most lonely experience you can have. I mean, I was single for forever, but no one's lonelier than someone alone in a marriage, but he remained a happy, hopeful, positive person. He didn't let that take over his entire emotional state. Me, I'd had one heartbreak after another and a called off wedding and so forth, but I also remained happy, hopeful, and positive. So when we came together, very different trajectories, but very similar ways of coping with what life had dealt us. And then we became not that we needed each other. We certainly didn't need each other. We were in our forties, but we wanted to be together. And that to me is a very powerful position for relationship. I like that. I like that. And I think that's also a powerful position for a guy who's going out there and trying to meet women and going through dates, having bad dates, getting rejected, uh, dealing with women who are not interested in him as much as he might be interested in them. He puts all of their self-worth into whether or not the girl likes him. Yeah. And, I, and I find that happening over and over and again. I mean, it used to happen to me as well, you know, when I was much earlier and, and didn't really know about uh, personal development and things like that and when power shifts and, and all that stuff. Yeah. But I think that a lot of guys can, can kind of learn from that now, even at a time before relationships. It, it starts the second you go up and talk to a girl all the way until you're in a 20-year marriage, you know? 
Yeah, because the power thing never stops. It's part of every relationship, not just romantic relationships, but it doesn't have to be a game per se, because it's not a game if I know that I'm in control of my emotional state and the power that I'm choosing to give someone or not. And so certainly when you get married, there's a commitment there. And I've turned over some of my power to my husband, right? Because he now has, you know, if he would cheat on me, it would would devastate me. But before marriage, especially, we need to be much more guarded, really. And it doesn't mean that we approach someone with, you know, our handout saying, you know, not like an approach avoidance kind of thing, but we do need to guard our hearts. And we have to remember, like for the guys that, that you're working with, my thought is remember that she's so lucky and not to be just like a jerk or condescending or, but she's so lucky that you're talking to her because if you know what you have to offer a relationship, then you're coming from a position of, Hey, you know, I'd like to get to know you, but Hey, if, if you're not feeling it, that's cool because someone else is going to get this great experience of being in a relationship with me. Do you have any idea of how a guy can figure that out? Like how, how does a guy know his worth or his value? How does a guy figure that out? You know, cause I agree with you. I, I say the same thing that, it's yeah, she's the lucky one and she's the one who's going to be benefiting from being with you as much as you know, yes. vice versa. But you got to come in with that kind of positive attitude to put yourself in that power position. But how can a guy figure that out about himself? No, I think that's great. We got to concretize it, right? Because we get into like these kind of nebulous notions and it's tough. I want to share a story that really hit home for me and my, so the boyfriend that I had my last couple years of college and we just got along great. And there was just a lot of drama, not from us so much, but just from the circumstances of where our lives were taking us and, and so forth. So it was one of those on again, off again things that went a long time. And, and those can be the worst because, you know, the relationships that drag on and on and on and you keep getting back together. It's so painful. You just better to just cut it off in one fell swoop. Although I was never particularly good at that. But I remember the couple years afterwards. And so now I'm in my late twenties. I just was having the hardest time getting over this guy because he was a great guy. And I had broken up with him. So it wasn't like I could just be like, he left me. There was part of me realizing it didn't feel 100% right. So I stepped away, but I still miss him and I still love him. And he was such a great guy. So why didn't this work out? And I kept giving a lot, again, power to the relationship until one day it finally dawned on me that half of that great relationship that I'd had was me. And I still had me and I could still be great in a relationship. And I still had that to give the next person. And so I had to realize that I was carrying around power that I wasn't even aware of. And so for, to, to your point, to your question, when guys are looking at how to get that, it's, it's all about making sure that you are building yourself up and not this kind of phony, like rah, 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 but really like getting to know yourself, getting to like yourself, because when you like yourself, then there's the inherent value in yourself and what you have to offer a relationship. When you don't like yourself, that's a struggle because then you're trying to convince someone else to like you and you don't even like yourself that much. Have you had patients come to you and uh, have you done clinical psychology? Like where you sat down and saw patients? I have um, in actually the first part of my career. So my master's is in clinical psychology. So my first part of my career, I was a therapist and then got the PhD and went into academia. Okay, got it. So when you were seeing people, did you, did you have people come in who had low self-esteem, who didn't like themselves? Mm-hmm, yeah. And I was working mostly with kids. So it wasn't quite probably your demographic in terms of like trying to help them figure out ways to like themselves. Got it. Okay. Is there any similarities by chance? Uh, well, yeah, I do think so. I mean, because it's... It, any crossovers? 
Yeah, well, you know, as you were asking that question earlier, another thing that kept coming to mind is part of this is just developmental. And one of the reasons that we see that the latest stats are showing that the older that we get married, the more likely, I mean, it's pretty, pretty intuitive, really, the the more likely we are to stay married and less likely we are to divorce is probably because we just need to live some life. I mean, it sounds so hokey. And certainly when I was in my 20s, I didn't want to hear about this wisdom that I could only get after I just put in the time of living. But there's some truth to that. But to, to, I mean, to your point too, something that a guy could do right now is what is the, it, it sounds so cliche, but if you don't like your, your alone time, then why do you think anyone else would want to hang out with you? You know, we have to be comfortable enough in our own skin and whatever that takes, whether it's taking uh, the, the time to embrace a hobby or embrace a, a, a characteristic or a trait of ours and really develop it so that we kind of are feeling like we're at the top of our game. Does that make sense? I know it still feels a little nebulous, but no, 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 it makes sense. It does. I mean, I think that's, that's a good thing to, to learn too. I think it's kind of tough, but to figure out how you can enjoy time with you, you know, or even just be aware of that. You know, I think, there are a lot of guys out there who probably do enjoy time with themselves, but yet maybe they have, they, they believe they have low value or they have low self-esteem, but maybe just being aware of the fact that, Hey, you hang out with yourself all the time. Don't you enjoy that? And then being like, Oh yeah, you know what? I, I guess I do. I do enjoy me. And it's almost like you can use like logic here. And say, well, if you like you and you enjoy spending time with you, then what makes you think that you're not worthy of another girl who you just think is is really pretty and for whatever reason, just because she's pretty, won't like you? Exactly. I mean, it, I remember when I was uh, when I was single, I would hear the, the the little cliche, "Well, would you date yourself?" And I was always like, "Yeah, <laughs> of course I would. Have a good time." And so when you get into that space, and you should, we should all feel good about ourselves. And that's it, just, again, it sounds kind of corny, but yeah, I would suggest, I mean, sometimes I think about like my husband and I will talk about someone who maybe, you know, there's, there's seeming like they need this external validation. Like we talked about a little bit earlier. And so I'm always, you know, my husband says, I don't think he got enough hugs when he was little, you know, and some of you didn't, you know, some people didn't grow up in the strongest households and they're still kind of carrying along, carrying around a little bit of an inferiority complex because they didn't get that from their parents. And so if that's you, then you really, you got to do it for yourself. Once you're an adult, you can't really blame the past anymore. It's time to man up or woman up and take a, take care of your emotional state. And for me, of course, as a psychologist, I would suggest getting to therapy and, and trying to pursue uh, an exploration of whatever it is that is holding you back from really liking yourself. Because I'm like you're saying, if you don't like spending time with you, then why would you expect anyone else would? And just because one girl didn't, don't give her the power that she represents the entire population of females out there. See, that's tough to do. <laughs> that's really <laughs> tough to do. You know, you get shot down by your first girl and it just, it blows up your world a little bit, you know, or even not, you know, it's so weird too how our emotions work, how you will maybe go on some dates or get some numbers from some girls, talk to some girls and, be really happy, but then like one of them shuts you down or doesn't text you back or doesn't want to spend time with you. And all of a sudden you're like, you are just, oh, you shut down, right? Yeah. And, and you're, and you're so upset about it. But yet, 
you know, you still look back and you're like, oh no, it did, it did pan out with some of these girls or that it worked out that time, you know, but for some reason you just focus on the, the bad part. You know what I mean? It's like, why do we do that? Why, why do humans do that? Why are we so good at focusing on the negative and, and not thinking about the positive? Well, you know, there's a ton of research in cognitive psych that looks at that. Like, why do we blow up that one example when something went wrong and dismiss the 100 times that it went right? So that, I mean, it's part of the human condition. And so it's something we have to battle. And so I'm really into cognitive psych in terms of like taking control of your thoughts, because when you take control of your thoughts, that takes that affects your emotions. And so if I'm feeling that I'm not so happy, I'm, I immediately start to examine what, what am I thinking right now? Because I'm obviously letting some negative thoughts get into my space, which are affecting my feelings. And so getting back to what you're talking about, you have to, I mean, that's really, really sound advice. Like if a guy's coming to you and he's really hung up about this one rejection, he's got to look at the other times when it did work out. That's so, so forget about the one time it didn't work out. Let's look at the, the times it did. And what can we do to replicate that experience in terms of approach maybe, or the way you handled yourself in the relationship. And so that's again, where you get to a place where, okay, I can, I've had success and I can have more success, but I've heard, you know, I, it's interesting. I like talking to guys because I've heard that guys sometimes feel that they do handle rejection worse than women. And of course I was rejected too over the years. But when I hear guys talk about being like utterly crushed, I wonder if there is something that um, is, if there's some truth to that. Although I don't want to minimize the rejection that women feel. I think one thing that hits guys harder, and I'm just thinking about this right now because that's a really good question. Like in, in general, why would, would, would a guy get hit harder emotionally than a girl? And one of the things I think is because, you know, there's a lot of work that a guy needs to do to court a woman. And I don't want to say work as a ne- in, a ne- in a negative way. It's actually really fun to be able to be in control of the courting process. What do I mean by that? I mean, the guy has to do the approach. The guy has to ask the girl on the date, set up the date. You know, it's a, a lot of it is in the guy's hands. And so I think, you know, when a guy comes so far and has done so much work and then gets rejected, it's like him building this like wall you know, like it's Tetris and then it just gets knocked down and you're like, ah, oh, all that hard work. And I did, and I did all this stuff and, and then she knocked it down. And of course it's more than just knocking down a wall, but it's kind of hitting who you are too. So it's, it's hitting your ego and it's hitting all this work that you put in where I feel like for a woman, and again, this is probably just one reason, even if at all, but just something I'm thinking about like for a woman I don't know. She can, it's a little bit, it's not easier for women to date, I would say, but it's easier for them to find a man. I think it's easier to, to find a, a man initially, you know, they get approached. They are the ones who kind of get hit on more than a girl hitting on a guy. It just, just, that's kind of how it goes. So I don't know. I feel like rejection, of course, of course, still hurts for a woman, but it's like they didn't put in all this kind of effort and they know that it's, it can come a lot easy. You know, a guy has to like really pick himself up and like get thrown back into, into the game here. Now, again, this is coming from a, a male perspective. So I love to hear your perspective on, on that thought. Yeah, no, I like it. Cause I mean, I think you're kind of breaking it down in a way I'd never thought about. So it's almost like that initial prep and that initial approach 
is very much more involved for a guy. I would agree. And even if a woman, then I was thinking as you were talking, I was thinking, so once you've been in the relationship though, for a while, if a woman gets rejected, like I was dating a guy for two years after I called off my wedding. And then when he left me, he broke up with me. Then I felt kind of what you were saying in a different way, but similar in the extent that I had two years to show you all that I could give you and all the love that I had and all the support and how great we were as a team and how we could do this. And then for him to step away from that kind of felt like what you were talking about. So maybe rejection initially in like earlier stages of relationship can be harder for a guy. And then maybe later women can experience that. Cause you're right. You know, it's like, you know, we get rejected at any stage. We can go out to a bar and get approached maybe five times a night, you know, if we have a good night, <laughs> not, not to say I didn't have dry spells, but it certainly did where I'd go out with my girls and like no one, but you're right. We can just kind of sit there sometimes and get that affirmation again. Like, okay, I still must be cute enough because someone approached me, even though I'm brokenhearted because this guy left me, there was still that possibility. Whereas I didn't have to, if I'm brokenhearted, I didn't have to be the one to ratchet it up again and go, okay, I'm going to approach someone tonight. So I, th- I think, yeah, I can get with that point. That's a good point too that you made though, is that, yeah, I, I think I agree with that. It, again, these, I, I know these are all generalizations. They, they really are. We're just kind of, you know, throwing out some theories here, but I did like that you said that, that idea that girls might get a little bit more f- feeling of the rejection in a way. But you know what? As I'm saying it, it doesn't sound right. Cause I think that guys would feel really crappy too. I mean, I've been, I've, Oh man, I've helped so many guys who have been broken up with or in the middle of a breakup and they are just completely, completely crushed. It's crazy. And I know that women get crushed too, you know, but definitely, I know it seems to make a little bit more sense though, saying that a woman might feel more, not more rejected, but maybe like, I don't know, harder for her to kind of bounce back from it. Maybe that's kind of what we're talking about. You know, like I feel like it's harder for a woman to maybe bounce back from the ending of a relationship because she feels, you know, that she had this commitment from a guy and it's like all this time wasted. Because for women, it really is a, a lot about time. We were kind of talking about this a little bit earlier before this, before this podcast interview. We were talking about this idea of a woman doesn't want to waste her time. She wants to know that she's with a guy who is ready to commit, right? Yeah. Yeah. That is so true. Women do get caught up in the time and you know, that biological clock of course is huge. Yeah. And, uh, but what I see with women is then not being willing to really take the time to get to know someone and then I really feel like trip. Sometimes it, it, it translates into, okay, I'm not so crazy about this guy, but I'm 33 and it's time to get married. And, you know, I don't know what my eggs are looking like right now. And so I'm just going to do this and I'll have my babies. And then, you know, after the diaper changing season is over, you kind of look at this guy and you're like, Oh, I don't know. I mean, he was okay, but I don't know if he was really a guy to go to the distance, but now we've got a couple kids in tow. So I see that as being a big problem when we give too much energy and power to time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so, God, that's so interesting too. And I think that goes back to what we were saying too, about not settling. Right. So it's like these girls, they settle. They, they end up, they end up 
just kind of with anyone. I think guys do that too. I really yeah. do. I think that guys who don't listen to this podcast. So if you're listening right now, honestly, I think you're very lucky. And not just because you're listening to Trip and and his guest, but you're listening to something that is teaching you not to settle. And I think a lot of guys are, aren't aware of that. That's not even a thought in their mind. They are just doing it. They're just settling because they don't know that they can learn about women and about men and relationships and dating and how it all works. They don't know that they can, that they can get better at dating and get better at the skill of attraction, as I call it. And so what are they forced to do? They're forced to settle because they don't think they can get another girl. They're, they don't think that they are worthy of having, I don't know, the type of girl, I guess, that they would really want. So what do they do? They settle for the girl that they're with in the moment. So I feel like there's, there's, <laughs> there's like different types of settling. Like a woman will settle because of time and a guy will settle because of, I don't know, uh, maybe self-worth. Or, or maybe not thinking, yeah, I guess this idea of not thinking he can have something that's better for him, you know? Oh, yeah. I, I, that's well put. And it's um, – so I've done a ton of interviews because when I called off my wedding, that's another book that I'm actually working on right now because that's not a resource. You know, if you're engaged, you can go to the, to the bookstore and you'll find a lot of books on how to plan the perfect wedding and get the perfect dress and the perfect flowers and the perfect color palette. But – what about really examining if you're in this engagement for the right reasons? And so I'm working on that book and I've interviewed a lot of people, some other runaway brides, and then also women and men who wish they'd run away, but didn't, and then ended up divorced. And I will tell you, almost all of them will say down deep at some level that they were being very, 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 working very hard to cover up. They knew one of my girlfriends said, oh yeah, she, she was married four years. And so when I called off my wedding, she was like, Karen, I'm so proud of you. And she's, and I, I didn't feel proud of myself. I felt like a failure. You know, I felt like, oh my gosh, I didn't mean to, but I've led this guy on into thinking I'm going to marry him. And now I'm running away two months out and everyone's made the plans and money, you know, deposits have been put down. I felt like a failure, but she's like, no, you were so brave because she's like my wedding day. I remember looking at my dad. At, and we were at the top of the narthex at the church, getting ready to walk me down the aisle. And the only thing I can think is if he would just look at me and say, Claire, you know, there's a limo right there. We don't have to do this. You and I can get in that limo. We can go. But that is what she had really wished her father would say to her to give her permission to go. That's her most salient thought as she's walking down the aisle. I mean, that's scary. And guys too, I've heard a guy, a really close friend of mine say, yeah, you know, I got married because, you know, we dated for like, eight years. And I figured, you know, she'd earned it and it was the next step. And I'm oh, like, man. Yep. no, no lie. I mean, these are actual interviews with actual people. And so you hear a lot of people who've been divorced say if that they had been honest with themselves, or like you're saying, if somebody gave them permission to think about, am I settling? Because let's look at it this way too. People go, Oh, you know, you didn't, you know, you didn't settle. Like you think that it's not about me being like, oh, I'm too good for someone. That's not it. It's me being kind because, I mean, if I'd married my ex-fiance, he would have thought he was walking down the aisle with the love of his life. And here I am settling. What, is that a kind thing to do? 
No. Is that loving? <laughs> no, that's a jerk. I was being a jerk. I didn't mean to, but I was. So the most loving, kind thing to do was to free him up to find the love of his life, which he has, and he's happily married. And I'm thankful. But even if he weren't, it would be better for him to be single and have the opportunity to meet the love of his life still than to be stuck in a marriage with someone he just settled. And he will. And he probably did. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. the, and, and it's just going to be uh, an interesting story in his life of something that happened one time. And as time goes on, things will fade. So if any guys are listening right now who are in relationships, I don't know if a lot of guys who listen to this podcast really are, but, but you know what, let's, let's use what I collect to call the preventative medicine, right? It's like, know for sure that this is really a girl that you want to spend time with. And whether that's just dating, whether you end up living with them or engaged you know, really know in the back of your head, is this someone that you really deep down on a core level love, like, enjoy being around, see maybe, and this is for guys who are looking for the long relationships or are looking for marriage, you know, is this someone who you can really see yourself down the road with? And if there's some signs pointing to no, well, that should be one of your first kind of callings right there that maybe you could do better. For yourself, you know, and when I say do better, I don't mean that she's a bad person and and she sucks and you can do better. It's more like better for you, not better than her. You know, it's just different, but something that's going to be better for you in the long run. No, exactly. I mean, and that's what I was trying to get at is like there was nothing wrong. I mean, I was engaged to a great guy. He just wasn't my guy. And that doesn't take anything away from the great guy that he is and all that he has to offer. It just wasn't a good fit for me. I mean, my dad used to say, dating's like trying on a pair of pants at the store. You know, you put on the pants. It's not a fit. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with the pants. It's just not a fit. But don't try to force the pants. If you're a 34, don't try to force into a 30. You're going to look stupid. Do you know? So it's just this recognition that it's not that there's anything wrong with either either person. It's just not the right fit. And the more that we know ourselves, the the older we get, you know, getting back to the development we were talking about earlier, the better we know what works for us in a relationship. Right. Exactly. That was great. Dr. Karen, this has been really, really interesting, informative, and I think that you have a lot to offer. So do you work with guys, right? I work with anyone right now. I'm focusing on my writing. So I don't do any coaching per se, but you know, I have a bunch of people I email because you know, we'll meet when I'm speaking or something or, and and they'll email me and I do follow up that way. Um, at some point I might want to do some of that, but I haven't right right now because I, again, I'm speaking and writing, but anyone can email me and I would love to field some questions. If they want that woman's perspective, I'd be happy to do that. And Dr. Karen is with an I N just because it's typically with an E. So I want to make sure if anyone does want to reach out, they can find my information on my website. Yes, yes. drkaren.me, D-R-K-A-R-I-N.me. Go check her out. She's got a cool website, cool things to say. And thank you for coming on, fellow Chicagoan. I am uh, always excited to interview and talk to people who grew up in the, in the same neck of the woods and also are in the dating and relationship space. I think it's really cool. Yeah, thank you so much for the invitation to join you, Trip. I really enjoyed it. Awesome. Thanks so much. You bet. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and write a review. Over 18 and want a question answered on the podcast? Email all your questions to Trip at tripadvice.com. <laughs>